Good evening, wrestling fans of planet Earth that's in quarantine right now. This is the RSN Wrestling Podcast, the only podcast to listen to that fulfills your wrestling needs. This is the big guy, Rich. On the other lines, we have Sal, the mastermind. Hey, what's up, guys? And we have a very important person here who runs two websites, two podcasts. Man goes by three names, but we just call him NJL, Nicholas Jason Lopez. Top of the evening. Today it is, is great to be here. Today's episode of the Running the Rope special. This is going to be an interesting episode because we're going to be going back in time for the last week and a half. We're going to be covering last night's episode of Raw, going all the way back to night one of WrestleMania that was too big for one night. So I'm going to send it over to Sal, who's going to lead the way into the episode. Sal, take it away. Definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah, so we we already have our segment where we just go ahead and break down all the stuff that's happened in pro wrestling, basically of the time being. Uh, being, of course, that this is the quarantine kind of thing that's going on right now, uh, you know, what better time? Of course, you know, there's a lot of content. Well, not a lot of content, but still, some stuff still going on in the wrestling world. Um, but beyond that, I mean, we're going to be here just kind of breaking down all the stuff that's going on. So starting with, I would say, I think, of course, last night, which was probably the week after Mania, I would say, right? So, Sal, sorry to cut you off, but I don't know if you guys can see the video. But yeah. true, it's pretty damn good with a WWE title around his waist. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to see that. I mean, of course, I mean, we're going to be talking about, of course, Drew winning the title, Mania, all that stuff, probably later on, a little later on right now. But, I mean, basically looking at whole, this whole thing going on, basically it's just, you know, walking into this whole taping, I think one of the big things was the fact that it wasn't even going to be on. I think the whole mood of the whole show was, oh, is this even going to be on right now? And then, the, the, the you know, Vince, classic Vince is like, the show must go on. So he's like, all right, fuck it. Whatever's going to happen, going to happen. Shit. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, the, the show doesn't stop. And I think it was one of the things, too, where they had a contract. They had to follow up with it. NBC, you know, between, like, all the big parent companies of USA and Fox, they want they want um, content. And if there's no content, they're losing money. So, basically, they have to put something on. So, of course, I mean, of course, if you're seeing, I mean, we're, we have this whole thing where we're kind of watching through the highlights and stuff. But to see Drew with the belt on, how do you guys feel about that? I want to step in. Yeah. Um. Obviously, it's a long time coming. Anybody who's followed uh, Drew's main roster run up until I want to say December was probably very disappointed that it didn't measure up to his NXT run, which I come to find is the common theme uh, across the main roster television. Maybe through no fault of Triple H's, but once you pass them up to the main roster and they become Vince's uh, playthings. You either end up, um, you either end up like No Way Jose, or you end up like Alexa Bliss, or the Braun Strowmans in between. Who really is this guy you speak of, No Way Jose? Look at, look at the way No, look at the way No Way Jose was pushing NXT. Um, even, even modern, he had a pretty, 
decent debut with uh, Austin Aries, decent program. Uh, sure, he was someone who liked to dance all the time, and uh, his character maybe was a struggle trying to embrace his more serious side to the viewers. But there was never any doubt that uh, you could take No Way Jose seriously. Now, look at the way he was run on the main roster. Basically, a never-ending Congo lion that never really got to prove his uh, wrestling skill. And even to this day, he's still kind of looked at as jobber number 67. Now, I think this is uh, kind of par for the course. I can't say I'm really surprised. Um, no way he was on the lower end of the NXT spectrum, but he was still pretty damn good, even at his best um, in that kind of uh, questionable uh, booking of his character. But once he got to the main roster, complete joke. But again, I digress. I do think uh, Drew has a lot to prove as a champion, and I think he's someone that the company should run behind. Uh, more so for the fact that he could get people behind him. I think it just kind of took that little spark. I don't know if it was that... Uh, that week that he randomly turned face, or perhaps it was the countdown to get the Claymore kick over, or if it was just the idea of, hey, Paul Heyman's running a show, this guy seems to have the it factor, let's put the title on him and hope for the best. Now, don't forget, he was supposed to beat Lesnar in, in a crowded stadium anyway. We all kind of knew once he won the Royal Rumble, and it, it just it's just fortunate that the Rumble happened the way that it did. Because he still had a, a full stadium to embrace this guy, and the World Rumble is really a tale of two tale, uh, a tale of two matches, if you will. And his uh, obviously everything leading up to the elimination of Brock, and then McIntyre basically besting out the other talents in the ring. This has obviously become a good thing. It's been good for everybody, but. I mean, McIntyre, for somebody who was supposed to have this mania moment and um, more so or less uh, circumstances kind of took that away from him, is still making the best out of the situation. And, uh, I mean, beyond the, uh, the Big Joe thing, which we'll get to shortly, he seems to be the uh, quote-unquote fighting babyface champion that uh, Impact Wrestling had pushed him as uh, for a long time. Uh, before he went to NXT, and it's it's finally good to see a, a glimpse of that here, as I know this time last year, uh, Drew was kind of being pushed as the Scottish uh, psychopath who was on a never-ending course with uh, all three members of the Shield, and uh, it culminated in a match that was pretty anticlimactic. Now, if you compare his 2019 to his 2020, it's almost like night and day. So I think a lot of us will say McIntyre is exactly where we would like him to be. Now, can he maintain through all of this pandemic talk and empty arenas and uh, unforeseen circumstances? Can he run with this title reign and, and, and make it something? That remains to be seen, but the start is good. So far, I, can't, I have no complaints, but... And it looks like, based on where we're going after the end of last night's Raw, that it's going to be a good thing overall. Yeah. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I think we're in for a pretty good ride. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to look forward to. I mean, we'll have to see how these programs go on. 
especially with this whole COVID-19 thing going on and everything and, you know, the regulations. I mean, they just got deemed, WWE just got deemed uh, essential service, supposedly, by the government, by the state government. So they're able to, they to were. tape and everything. They were. Yeah, I mean, yeah, how much did Vince do that, though? He probably had some influence, you know. I mean, for, for his wife is, like, you know, part of the whole cabinet of Trump's cabinet. So definitely, you know, she probably has a role in that or, you know, that he probably pulls some strings to be able to do that. But, I mean, beyond that, I mean, looking at the booking of this whole show, it kind of is like they have to do a slow build of everything. So, it's kind of like every week they're teasing something, and then after that, they kind of, like, reach back at it and say, okay, the next week, uh, obviously, it? it's going to be announced. I mean, one of the big things... That Wasn't think, Money the Bank canceled, though? Well, they canceled it, and then I guess they kind of re... You know, again, it comes back to that whole TV deal thing, where the USA, I think they're paying USA and, you know... All, like all these big networks, big money, but if they're not producing any kind of content, then it's a loss for them. So it's kind of like, you know, it's not like NBA where it's like, oh, you know what? Hey, let's just take the season off and everything, and then that's it. They're losing money either way. So they're like, you know what? Let's just put something rather than nothing on TV. So I guess now it's like, okay, let's just keep slowly building every show. But I think it also gives them more opportunity to highlight more new talent and all this kind of stuff too. I mean, we'll talk about all the different talents and everything. I mean, we, they, you know, Nick kind of hit the big points. Of course, you know, the whole uh, the, the whole picture with Drew, how are they going to build him? Is he going to be just like a face champion that's just getting his ass beat every week? Is it going to be a whole thing where, you know, oh, you know, he's going to, this is going to end up becoming something later on? How long is it going to be? We don't know. But, I mean, one of the big things, of course, they were setting up for Money in the Bank, this upcoming pay-per-view, of course, that, you know, that, that was, like Rich said, it was it was canceled. But now I guess they brought it back and was like, all right, fine. They had a series of Money in the Bank qualifying matches, and it was kind of like, okay, let's just tease a little bit of the, the women's side mainly, and then let's go ahead and capitalize on the men's side for next week, which is kind of, it's interesting. I mean, of course, you know, it's kind of like how they're trying to build it up. And, of course, you know, as you're seeing right here, um, Asuka qualified. There was a couple other people that qualified also. I think, um, what was it, Nia Jax qualified, and then uh, who else qualified? I think it was um, Shayna. Shayna Baszler qualified. Yeah. But, I mean, looking at that, like, I mean, let's switch gears before we go into Drew McIntyre and everything. Um, with this whole show right now, with this whole thing going on and everything, how do you guys feel with this whole show last night and everything? As far as, like, the bill for Money uh, in the Bank and everything. Well, I know this doesn't have to do with Money in the Bank, but to me, the highlight of the night was Zelina's little faction that she has going. Yeah, it's one of those things. Austin. Yeah, that, that Austin, whole factor. Theory, Andrade, and Angel. I like it. Yeah. It seems like they're really behind Theory, though. Supposedly it's just... He's a, 22, he's a 22-year-old phenom mm -hmm. who has potential through the roof, and he has nothing to do except grow. Yeah. I like him. Kid is the face. Yeah, and it's crazy how quickly he came up and everything. I mean, he's facing like, out yeah, the black he has, Like, yeah, he's a heel, mm -hmm. but he has the baby face. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is where uh, this is where I'll step in. Um, now, uh, don't get me wrong, Austin Theory is. Uh, it seems like he's pretty well rounded. Um, I I obviously know that he had worked in Evolve and uh, was a name that was pretty synonymous on a lot of indie wrestling fans' uh, radar for somebody up and coming that people should look out for. Um, but I never actually watched his matches. Um, my first ex real exposure to him was him be being called up, basically. 
And uh, this is the funny thing about the MTE Arena era. At least lately, it seems like Raw is taking the approach of uh, longer matches. Which, I'm not complaining. This is kind of what we wanted the whole time. Uh, last week, we had an, a 28-minute Apollo Cruz, I think, Alistair Black match, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's Apollo's longest match on the main roster. And, yeah. and it was also his best work. That's true. And I was. think the, sometimes you just have to give guys time and, and let them run with it. How much of a story can you tell in a six-minute match? Um but that being said, I think Theory is, is doing good so far. Uh, he fits in with this little uh, stable of uh, pretty skinny guys. That uh, Zelina's pretty skinny guys. I, th- I think that's a pretty good stable name. Well, they, they, that shit. Let's they, all, they all kind of look the same. They're all kind of, uh, my, my case, because I'm gay, I think they're attractive. Um, they're pretty fit. Um, it, if you want to make a stable and run with it, and go ahead. anyone has something to say about what Nick just said, yeah. fuck you guys. Don't listen to us. We don't give a fuck. Exactly. Yeah. We'll lose one viewer. It's 2020, motherfuckers. Yes, basically. <laughs> and uh, and the fact that it, it it's, it's uh, well, the stable kind of isn't new because the last month or so, they've kind of already been a unit. This is just the last, last night was really the first time that we're kind of seeing them push collectively. And something I was saying to myself, Basically, as I was watching the show, I was like, wow, there's a lot of Zelina tonight. And there's a lot of, like, her boy. Well, they this is the first time we saw him drowning in, like, a month, right? I'm sorry? Is this the first time we saw him drowning in, like, almost a month? I, I, it's hard to keep track because Theory and uh, Andrade and the other guy seems. I, I feel like they've been on TV a lot longer. I don't know if that's on purpose. But, but I think I Andrade just came back from his ribbon. And, and it, it's kind of also interesting, because if you notice, the stable's kind of taken the place of uh, Rollins' disciples, which I don't know if they're having, uh, I don't know if they're permitted to be on the show, or I think they uh, one have a injured, one talent one, on the show. Uh, I know one of the guys from AOP got hurt. And with that Kevin Owens and Viking Raiders match, he uh, oh. separated his shoulder out for a little bit of time. That makes a lot more sense, but um, I think I think it's just funny that Rollins goes from losing a feud to now. Oh well, you can feud for the title. I, I, it's, I, I wish they would use some kind of logical explanation to kind of explain the transition to that one. But um, obviously, huh. I'm watching uh, the highlights and I'm seeing a little shield action between Andrade, Theory, and Garza. They did the. Someone said Shield. Someone else said uh, Los Anger Monopolis, uh, Deja Pan, Lij of uh, NJPW. Which yeah. I, um, if you follow, uh, if, I can see that. If you follow some of their yeah. careers, they they kind of have that background. Yeah, there's a don't big forget it started in Mexico. I was gonna say, do you guys feel like that's how WWE's trying to go for? Like with the, uh, I know in the past Vince has been against like factions. I don't think it's on purpose. I think it's just the way that their characters are embracing the spotlight. Um, if some people... Because don't forget, every wrestling faction kind of calls back to one another. Then you got the NWO, you got uh, Undisputed Era. Their music kind of sounds like the NWO's music. You have uh, the Inner Circle, you have uh, this little group, you had Rollins' uh, Disciples. And they're all kind of 
borrow uh, mannerisms from one another. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the OC is the callback to the club. Which uh, goes back to NWO. It's kind of a callback to Bullet Club. Bullet Club is a callback to NWO. And uh, DX was, was formed as an answer to the NWO. And, and obviously, a lot of factions will think that uh, DX Things. kind of started. Everything Every is a callback. Right off each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it seems like borrowing little things from here and there and getting inspiration, and I guess saying, "Okay, let's just meld this into the current uh, atmosphere right now." I know, like one more last thing about Austin Theory. I think he was actually the fastest call up. He is indeed. And I think he's he only been in NXT well, for like three months. Yes. Yeah. And um, just to piggyback off that Sal said before, that I just want to correct you on Money in the Bank was never canceled. The event itself wasn't canceled, but the um, the live arena that was going to hold the event, um, that got canceled. But the show itself was always slated to happen. I guess it's just happening now in the uh, the performance center, uh, which I guess is something that we're going to have to get used to. Um, I don't know for how long, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's just funny, though, because you think uh, Vince would be able to work around the loophole of, oh, well, we need live I mean, couldn't you do something like WWE backstage? Couldn't you have like a live studio sit down Tuesday Night Titans type of show? And, and couldn't that count as live content? Because yeah. I feel like if, if this is going good until somebody gets a positive case. Yeah. Until somebody on the talent gets a positive case. Well, Someone on the right has it. Well, they said WWE caught a case, I think, Allegedly, earlier in the week. I haven't yeah. heard anything... Um, uh, it, it's not one of the on-air talents. So it was somebody who I believe was involved in production, and since uh, then they reported to a, I heard one of the commentators had it. Yeah, it was it was like a mixed reaction. I think really one of the big thing was that they don't want to disclose who it was. Of course, I mean you can't blame them. Of course, if HIPAA um, laws and everything, you can't just you know say oh I'm blast oh this is the employee that got it. It could be somebody they're trying to hide and they're trying to say whatever. But supposedly that they just said it was that. They contained it, they controlled the situation, and they found a way. But again, you, you got to think of this too, the morale of the, the talent that's actually there. That's kind of like, okay, you have to be there to kind of be in the match. Look at, If you look at like a rain situation we'll probably talk about later on, they, they're not they're obligated to do it. They're obligated to be there and actually perform. But when Vince says, hey, you should do it, you know, they're going to, of course, do it. This is their job. They have, to, they have to comply, you know. So I think it's one of the things where it's like now it's causing a very... Yeah. It's causing a very kind of tense environment in, in a sense. But at the same time, I see it also as kind of like an opportunity. Like you saw, there's a lot of new faces that we saw last night. Like, you know, with Austin Theory, with, you know, with even only Lokern. Like, he never really had a match, but now he's on Raw being highlighted, you know? Hell, I see fucking the, Bianca Blair on there, you know? It's like, why not? The funny thing is, yeah, the funny Wait, thing is, we haven't seen... Oni, Oni Locker. We haven't seen any uh, no, the, the one after. Who? Bianca? I, I thought you yeah, said Deanna. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Bianca, no, Bianca no. Blair, yeah. For me. No, no, I thought something you said Deanna Ferrazzo. Deanna, Bianca, oh my god. Let me just break in with this. <laughs> I think something interesting is that uh, if, you, if you notice the last few live shows, that they haven't uh, resorted to playing classic matches in their entirety. I don't know if that's a little... It's something maybe the networks looked at as a possible breach of contracts. Like, we need uh, three hours of live exclusive content, uh, no callbacks, no replay. So maybe perhaps that's a factor. But I think in, in any capacity, 
the viewers are going to win because ultimately if we get three hours of Andretti versus uh, you throw him against anybody on the roster, I think you'll get a good match. And the same could be said for Theory, and the same could be said for the other guy. I forget who the other guy is. Andrew Garza. Yeah, Garza. I think you can throw those three against anybody and, and get a decent match out of them. It just depends how long we're going to Um. But I don't know if we're against team, you know, who's the who's the baby face trio that kind of stands up to this? You know, that's something that they still have to develop. And, uh, It'll be the same thing like with um, Seth Rollins and his guys. Yeah. Let's just can throw you, Kevin can, Owens and the Prophets, Kevin Owens and the Viking Raiders. Maybe, but can you have, how many people can you have in the ring in this uh, in this new era? That's something you that they haven't really... You it seems to, to be that the limit is five. Yeah. It could be, you know, again, it's, it's kind of hard to say exactly with all this stuff. But I think it's one of the things, too, where because, it's like... Because... Yeah. I mean, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. uh, Money in the Bank match traditionally has seven competitors. And uh, I don't know if they're going to have the full seven. I don't I don't, I don't, don't know what the plan is for that. But I think it's going to be six. I feel like it's going to be five. I feel like there's... how many... Because, uh, don't forget, you know, uh, while in this uh, sport, which um, I think to call it essential, I think kind of it might be a little bit of a slap in the face to some of those, like, frontline workers and grocery store owners. And, you know, it's not essential. It's entertainment. But I'm not I'm not doubting that uh, McMahon's connection to Trump and uh, Linda Mann's involvement, uh, obviously... And uh, obviously, Governor DeSantis is uh, pretty involved with Trump. I think they're all kind of working together. Obviously, you haven't seen that kind of deal with AEW unless they try to pull something similar. But AEW is pretty covered. They've recorded a week's worth of content from what I understand. So they're pretty much set to go, I want to say, until May or June, perhaps. I think they said but enough double or not June. Yeah, but double or nothing isn't happening now, unless it happens in any sort of other capacity. I mean, time will tell, but it's definitely not happening in Vegas. But I guess we should all soon. It's one of those things, again, it's an unpredictable time. It's hard to say exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. I mean, we just got to keep rolling with the punches and seeing what's going to happen as time goes on. But, I mean, as looking forward at this, it's just kind of like, again, it's kind of like a slow build. They keep on bringing new things. I mean, of course, you know, they had the recent uh, match, of course, you know, with all these things, the qualifying matches, highlighting new talent, again, bringing out different kind of things. Um, You know, of course, now they're highlighting different kind of things. Like, I think last night they were uh, highlighting Triple H's 25th anniversary or something. So that might be something that's going to happen later on. Maybe it's some kind of angle. Who knows? We don't know. But, but again, this seems like they're looking towards the future to say, all right, you know what? Whatever happens, it's going to happen. Maybe, you never know, they might have a thing where it's like NWA, like an NWA-style in-studio kind of thing, which is like, okay, you know what, a closed environment, closed set, you know, there's a, there's a studio audience there, small crowd, maybe that works, you know. But they can't, I don't think they can go to the point where it's like, let's go to the ba- like basketball stadiums and, you know, like baseball stadiums. Let's just go ahead and start ripping out seats and, you know, like one after one, like one after, you know, Every other seat, we're just gonna go ahead and start tearing out seats or something like that. I don't think I they're mean, gonna do that. Something I'm already like. seeing. I'm already seeing news stories break out that uh, live events, sporting events, aren't gonna happen until fall 2021. 
I'm seeing uh, uh, today Bloomberg News just reported that uh, social distancing rules aren't going to be phased out until 2022. So all of this kind of happening all at once is, is pretty interesting. But the answer is nobody really knows what's going to happen. I mean, That's right. It's, it's, still, uh, it's, still, it's still relatively new. We're just dealing with it in, in, in terms of how it's inconveniencing everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, like, let's move forward with this. I think one of the big things was that they, with a big, big highlight, which was that Seth Rollins was came out and attacked Drew McIntyre, potentially setting up a match. Again, they didn't announce it. They just said, hey, you know what? We they hinted at it. Maybe there's a match coming up. Maybe it's Drew versus Seth. Same thing with the Street Profits. They didn't, they didn't physically say anything yet up to this point. But I think they're just dragging it out. Keep dragging it out to the point where it's like, you know what? When the time comes, that's when it starts to become this whole kind of thing. Like, okay, we know exactly for concrete, you know, purposes this is what's going to happen. So at this point, it's kind of like, you know, this can go anyway. We'll have to see how it works from there. But, I mean, if we, you know, we, we talk about Raw. I mean, let's talk about, of course, like things like, um, you, let's talk about, like, like, for example, let's go back and backtrack a little more. They just announced a tournament for the Cruiserweight title. Of course, it's kind of like where, what you call it, they can't have one of their talent show up there because, of course, he's in the U.K., it's like, how can they actually do that? One of the big, again, a big pitfall of, you know, being a global brand is the fact that, you know, especially in the, in the pandemic crisis like this, it's hard to do that. So it's kind of like, how do you make that work from there? But, I mean, they've, they've announced this tournament. Seems like a big deal. Of course, they have a big, a lot of big names in there. A lot of big names from three, four years ago. And you look at it now, starting to change it up. But, I mean, if you look at things like, said, like SmackDown. Let's switch over to SmackDown, let's say, for example. Big things, a lot of different you know, um, programs. Just want to comment on the tournament. Yeah. Where's Leo Rush? Yeah, like he's not even there. I was supposed one or two. I think they're trying to have him uh, go back with Bobby Lashley. That could happen. Yeah, but I think it's also one of the things. I mean. It's, you know, it's uh, still unprecedented to see what's, you know, we don't know what's going to happen from there. They just recently had this thing with Lashley and um, with, uh, I think, Lana. There was this whole thing teasing that there was a breakup. Again, it didn't happen. The next week, they'll go, that'll be, you know, the show for next Thank week. Thank fucking God, because that is the most boring fucking storyline. Exactly. So, I think this is the Which opportunity, one? you know. I think that whole Which angle one? is just boring. Honestly. Which one? For which one? You mean with Lashley and uh, Lana, or Lashley and? I, think, I mean, I'm not. I'm not um, I think the uh, Lashley one has uh, potential. I don't know where it's leading. Um, but I still think <laughs> I, I just, it's it's just because I want Lashley just to kind of be that monster dominant heel that he was in Impact Wrestling in 2016, and he's not getting anywhere close to that. So I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't know if he's going to be like one of those aggressive baby faces. I don't know if he's just going to be a standalone heel. I don't know where it's going. Is Lana going to be a, a baby face? Is uh, Lashley going to be a face? I don't know where it's going. But, um, I mean, it could be worse. It could have been that uh, lesbian angle, which yeah. they dropped rather quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's better than, I mean, this whole Otis and, you know, Mandy Rose thing. It's kind of like, I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know where that's going to kind of end up. Like um, I think that's a season, great storyline. It is a great storyline, but then they keep on dragging it out. It's like you know what? Like this should have ended at WrestleMania. I think that's where they should have stopped it, and then that's it. Just move on. 
maybe something else. Maybe they have, you know, Otis, you know, maybe they have Mandy Rose, to, you know, be like a, as a valet with, um, you know, uh, heavy machinery and become like a whole, you know, like a thing. It's, you know, like if you remember back in the day with like, let's say, um, Legion of Doom and, um, uh, was it Legion of Doom? Was it Animal and Hawk? I think it was Animal and Hawk with uh, Sonny, like for example. Like maybe something like that. With Sonny. Yeah, something like that. You know, like maybe some some kind of thing where it's like that. And it maybe Golden Heavy Machinery. There you go. That's Gold. the name. Yeah, see, exactly. So that works perfectly. Like, you know, that's, you know, again, there's so many ways that they can go. But to keep on going back with that, it's kind of like, I think we all know what's really what this is really going towards, you know, with the soul Sonya Deville, you know, uh, Mandy Rose kind of angle. I think we all had theories. It's starting. Some parts are starting to come out, and it's kind of like, all right, we. I thought that was going. going to be a lesbian angle, to be honest. Yeah. I feel like they're still teasing at it. I think this is going to happen later on. That's probably where it's going to end up. You never know. But if they do, I mean, it's kind of like just do it already. Just get it over with. Finish it. Let's move on. Let's move on. To something different. You know, maybe give her a title pick. You know, a push or something like that. Do something. You know. I mean, you see, you know, on SmackDown side, they're doing a lot of different things, a lot of different pushes. One of the big things, of course, I think that that was coming out was that they wanted to give, let's say, like for example, Jeff Hardy. Who you know? Of course, his brother, brother, you know, just went to AEW. They're kind of scared, like, oh shit, we gotta push Hardy now. So now they're they're starting to push Jeff Hardy in the fear of okay, if he goes to AEW, we're clipped. So it's kind of like fuck. So, what do we do? so their theory is, let's push a guy who has multiple suspensions from drugs, alcohol, tickets, numerous tickets. Let's push him so we could keep him. I think that's fucking retarded. It's one of those things, again, it's kind of like, you know, that's one of the views right there. But then also it's kind of like he's vulnerable. He could be broken in a sense. I mean, like, you know, he has all this kind of stuff that's going on where, you know, he gets injured, comes back. He gets injured, he comes back. He gets injured, he comes back. You know. Gets arrested. Yes. He gets arrested, DUI, oh, whatever, big deal. And then Suspended. Yeah. Which, again, doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, really, like, if, if, I mean, they just announced that the revival got released from... WWE, you know, if they, yeah, yeah, like, why, if, if you guys have all this talent, this is the prime time right now, and we've said this many, many times before, this era of talent that they have right now is the best roster probably at the moment, and it's probably like, you know, if, if you look at any other era, if they had all this talent, you know, they would take advantage of it and use it, it wouldn't be like a situation of, oh, only if, only if we could have done it, we should have done it, we would have done it. No, if you guys have an opportunity, why not take care, take advantage of it? So uh, it seems like, you know, now that Revival's out of the picture, they've added, you know, the Lost Sons as kind of like another t- table that just kind of, you know, kind of replaces them, which is like, all right, so, you know, you, what, what's your fucking point with that? Now Revival is going to AEW. That's why I throw this out there. Yeah. They should throw Lacey Evans with the Forgotten Sons because they all have military backgrounds. They should. Again, WWE. I mean, started. that's... You know, funny thing is, uh, Steve Cutler, one of my friends, is, uh, is actually cousins with Steve Cutler. Small world. Oh, but, shit. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. That's wild. I know. <laughs> it's to see my face when I learned that. But it's, um, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. Talk to your friend. See if you could uh, get him on the show. Yeah. That might be. I'll see what I could do about that. But uh, going on to your point, and uh, I guess it's uh, I guess it's pretty obvious. I mean, WWE's trying to steal AEW's thunder. They obviously want to downplay this and uh, not make it bigger than it all kind of already is. But um, I mean, the revival is 
criminally wasted on main roster television outside of a couple of spotlight feuds. But I think it's safe to say their um, Usos, uh, not Usos, but their uh, NXT days were probably their best ones. But I'm sure they'll flourish in AEW's tag team division. And uh, obviously with any no com- uh, non-complete clause, they wouldn't be able to appear on t- television until July. And with AEW, they don't have uh, a no compete clause, yeah. so they can start right now. Supposedly, there's a big uh, uh, like exception due to this whole coronavirus pandemic. Even even so, though AEW stopped uh, making television content, so whatever they have is what they're running with. So anything they, they might have think of, to they could probably cut promos. That's it. They could, but it won't have the the same effect of them just at debuting as a team, just wrestling and doing what they're most yeah. known for. And then you could cut a promo after. That would be the smart way to do it, or have them physically attack someone. I, I think just throwing them out in a, in a, in a promo is, is kind of a wasteful way to debut a, a huge, what would be a huge pickup. Obviously, there's nothing set in stone yet, but I think it, it's pretty obvious that it's coming. Obviously, uh, AEW picked up uh, Luke Harper. They picked up uh, Matt Hardy. And now they're kind of uh, woven into current storylines, so it's not going to be a secret we that uh, the we don't know who they're going to go after, though. Yeah, but they probably might be known by Shatter Machine. I think that's going to be their tech team name. Yeah, we don't know who they're going to go after, though. They're going to go after the Young Bucks. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, I think eventually at some point, but not uh, not now. I mean, it's kind of like you know, that like if you look at the way that they brought Brody Brody Lee in right now. It's, it's kind of like, you know, there's so many dream matches that they could have had with that, especially with this whole indie background, but they're holding off on it. They're kind of like, you know, let's just keep saving it. Unlike WWE, where they just keep saving it up and they keep, like, dragging it out to the point where it's like, just fucking do it already. Where if you see, like, AEW, they're actually taking the time. They listen to the fans. I mean, now there's no fans, but they, they make logical sense of it. Like, okay, when's the best time to do it? And they'll do it, you know? So it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, they'll, they'll eventually do it. Going back to WWE. That whole fucking blue circle thing. What the hell was that? Killer Cross, man. Killer Cross. It's not. It's not Killer Cross. It's not Killer Cross. Killer Cross is going to NXT. Could be Ali. Ali. That whole glitch shit. I think that's what it was called. What the hell is that? Or it could be someone new that they're trying to bring up. If, like you know how WWE they bring just random new talent out of nowhere and then oh let's just put them on TV. Just for the hell of it. It could be that too, so you never know. At first, I thought it was Killer Cross. It seemed like Killer Cross. Because yeah. they never specified if him and Scarlett were going to be NXT or straight to main roster. But they appeared at the end of the Gargano Ciampa match from last week's NXT episode. They appeared in a car. I mean, you never know. That is true. Seems like they're going to be more of NXT. I think this is just a weird way to get Ali back on television. And don't forget, he's kind of in that mid-card spot, and he fits right in if you reveal him as a hacker, um, which could be a callback to his uh, vague vignettes uh, that aired earlier 
this year or uh, sometime last year. And, he, and you could throw him right into a Ziggler-Otis storyline, and, and, and he fits. I mean, it just depends on uh, if he does anything heelish or if they take a turn with it. I don't know. Time will tell. But I guess it's just uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, again, more, yeah. it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, it's hard to say exactly, but, you know, it you know it can go different ways. So it's just at this point where it's like there's a lot of unpredictable things. And, you know, with the way that they're, they're trying to build it up now, there's always going to have this kind of thing. And we've, we've seen this all the time. With any storyline, they don't try to connect it. It's never logically connected. It's always going to be something with a monkey wrench. For all we know, it might be Sammy Callahan. That's the last person that they had doing a hacker gimmick. So, you know, it's hard to say. But he's, he's, not, gonna do it. he's not leaving, though. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not leaving Impact, I don't think. I Does mean, anyone could, know if they're allowing Killer Cross and Scarlet to keep their names? Does it stop I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Most, mostly everybody who's come to NXT has been able to keep their name. Yeah. Or probably, that you never know, because I mean, Killer Cross. I mean, they could just call him Cross or Double K. They could, they could. I mean, it's it's, it's no, again, you can yeah, call him Cross because people already kind of know him as Cross. He remembers there's certain names he doesn't like. But don't forget, um, that's NXT. NXT had the the War Machine. It's just if he ever gets on the main roster, then it might just be called Cross. Which, in a weird way, I kind of like Cross. I think Cross is uh, just Cross by itself is cooler. But then you might get confused with Nikki Cross, so I don't know uh, how they explain that one away. Yeah. Unless they spelled it differently. Oh, like Relic is uh, killer spelled backward. Yeah. They'll probably find some way to kind of, I guess, just kind of bring that back into it. I think it'll be some kind of variation. I mean, especially if you looked at all their, uh, if you looked, if you noticed, there was probably like a certain era of in the, and you know, if you look at all the merchandise and everything. When they start bringing people in first, like Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, you know, all this stuff. The reason they have those names was because if you look at their first two initials, you can market that straight out. Like KO, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns. If you see his whole logo, it's basically two R's, just one uh, flipped over in the mirror image of it. Making like a little spider or something. Like small things like that. Seth Rollins, I mean, there's many, many logos in his, you know, merchandise where they have like an S and then, you know, it's an R. Yeah. It's it's pretty interesting. I mean, but when you look at it, it's kind of like you know it makes sense. You know, so it's kind of like, and then you've also seen WWE try to go down the other route where they've shortened names, where it's like okay, Big E. Remember, it was Big E Langston, and then they shortened it to Big E. It was things like Apollo Ali. Cruz. Yeah, Apollo Cruz. Now it's just Apollo. Uh, with Ali, for example, before it was Mustafa Ali. That's just. I don't Ali. think he's. I think he's still being called Apollo Cruz. What? But at one point it was just Apollo. Yeah, just Apollo. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Rusev. Yeah, uh, Andrade, see Andrade, see and almost now it's just Andrade. You know, I think. I would be surprised if they take Drew McIntyre and just call him Drew. Yeah, I mean, so, like you look at like Cesaro. Yeah, like Cesaro, they have Antonio Cesaro now it's just Cesaro. I mean, well, yeah. and, and I mean, don't get me wrong. In some of the cases, I think the name shortening is actually a work in their favor. Uh, Cesaro works. Um, Andrade clicks to me a lot better than Andrade Cien almost. I mean, I got the, uh, the back to Mexican heritage and professional wrestling in Lucha Libre, but 
come on, he's Andrade. Um, Ali, I mean, that one's a little bit controversial because of his last name. Um, you know, he was uh, Mustafa Ali. But, I mean, and, and obviously Neville fell victim to this too. Uh, it's just pretty much all around. I, I, I don't know. A good hand. Like, I don't like the shorty G gimmick. But in certain in certain situations, it works. Yeah. I mean, like I don't like Shorty G. Just call him. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Just call him Chad Gable. But they won't because they're stubborn. Even if you call him Gable, that's fine. But Shorty G, come on. It just, again, it kind of brings up the fact, and then you see these guys that are not being used, you know? They have Corbin, then they're just brought on the camera. Oh, that, another one. Yeah. Elias. His name was Elias Samson. Yep. Totally brought him down. Like, you see Baron Corbin, now it's just Corbin. You know. Again, it's kind of like WWE just wants to have that kind of thing where it's like, okay, one name, synonymous to it, that's it. You know, simple. Simple, easy. Put it on, that's it, you know? There's going to be a point where it's just going to be all initials, that's it. So we're like, oh, okay, A, B, okay, C, okay, we know who that is, D, you know, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. It just kind of brings up this whole thing where it's like, all right, fine, you know, we're just trying to do this as just semantics, and I think it's just Vince, just being Vince. So that's one of the things, too. But, I mean, moving on, let's, I mean, let's talk about, we talked about pretty much SmackDown, briefly breeze through AEW, NXT. Um, one of the big things, of course, I think. What people want to hear. Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania review. WrestleMania. So, so we got night one, night two. I mean, let's talk about pretty much the whole pay-per-view as a whole. I, mean, I think there's a couple things that are kind of highlighted that we want to talk about. But there's a lot of other things that were kind of, you know, brought up in that whole show, which we'll get to also. Um, but what are you guys' thoughts about WrestleMania? This whole, you know, stay-at-home WrestleMania quarantine. How do you guys feel about that? 100% honest. I thought... It was going to be a horrible show. But by the end of night two, when it was all done, I liked it. I thought it was really good. Nick, what about you? Uh, I mean, it has its highs and lows. <laughs> uh, obviously, I think uh, splitting into two nights wasn't something that they planned. But I think we can all agree WrestleMania 35 is too big for one night. This is just happens to be the year they do something about it. Uh, but just remember, it was 18 matches. I mean, yes, yes. But I think for what it was worth, I think it was, there was more good than bad. Uh, obviously, what sticks out the most to people are the cinematic matches, which, I mean, if we're going to get more things like that, that kind of opens up the possibility to different feuds that you might not have gotten before. Uh, you can pretty much do whatever you want in the cinematic setting. And obviously, those two matches were kind of the highlight of, of, of the weekend. And and uh, and it was tr- it was true. It was they were right in that. Um, as far as in ring, I think uh, Owens and Rollins is up there. I think the uh, three way ladder match was there. Uh, everything else is kind of. It fell short for me. Uh, I don't know if it wasn't the if it was the lack of chemistry or uh, or Byron Saxon's suit. My God, what was he wearing? Mm-hmm. I I just I don't know. 
But I think the highlights for Mania for me were the ladder match, Rollins and Owens, and the two uh, cinematic style matches. And I think ultimately that's what Mania 36 will be remembered for. I mean, yeah, obviously you had McIntyre's big happy ending, but you kind of need a full stadium of uh, roaring people to really have that one remembered. Yeah, I think. I well, what was the what was the fan count? Like the attendance? Does anyone know? One. No, no, no. It was uh, it was probably zero, man. It was probably below zero. Uh, it was one. Yeah, the one. Attendance right. You had the one giant fan. Are we count? Are we counting cells? No, we counted that one giant <laughs> fan. Probably there probably it was, was the one most guy. social. It was the most social event in uh, WWE history. It was indeed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you saw if were you, if, which isn't true in, in the least. Were you guys live tweeting during um, Mania? I was. Man. I'm uh, hold up, that could solve this problem. Let me check my Twitter machine. I was because uh, I I was actually the first time actually like uh you know was actually opening up Twitter and actually seen like it was just like you know you could see every second it was all about mania something was going on you know even small spots it's, it's yeah. fun right yes yeah. it's fun it's fucking it fun for, oh my god uh, like a little bit more than a year yeah definitely definitely and it's one of those things where it's like you know you see it's kind of like there's yeah, always a reaction I'm scrolling down yeah my was, mania stuff. Real interesting stuff. I mean, if you look at the way that they had it, it was just, you know, kind of like, this is probably one of the most, it was actually one of the um, most, uh, like, revolutionary kind of things. It was kind of like, you know, especially with the time, of course, going on, it's still, you know, kind of interesting to see that there was still that engagement with the fans and everything. You know, they were into it. You know, why not? So it was kind of one of those things. Okay, where like, here you know, we go. Fans. I got I got some of it. Uh, let's see. Oh, wait, hold on. It goes back a little bit more. April 4th is when it. So let's see. Oh, where are we at? Okay. A lot of retweets. Um, really enjoyed that woman's tag title match more than I thought I would. I was kind of pretty impressed by the Kabuki Warriors Bliss Cross uh, opener match. I think everybody worked hard on it. Um, it kind of showed through. Match. It was yeah, a pretty good, was a good match, yeah. A lot of good stuff. I mean, for me, one of the some of the matches that really stuck out. I mean, we're gonna talk about this, of course, the cinematic matches. I mean, with me, it was just like things like let's say Charlotte Flair versus uh, Rhea Ripley. Pretty interesting. Can we match. just get? Can we just get out of the way? Yeah. Worst match was Braun versus Goldberg. Of course, man. Any any match for Goldberg is probably gonna be a shitty match. Of course, you know. Just just to get that out of the way. Yeah, of course. I forgot that that happened. <laughs> I forgot what that happened. It was, yeah. it was a horrible two-minute, fifteen-second match. Oh my god! Ed said it best. If if you're just gonna come back for uh, like a two-two-minute match, don't fucking bother coming back. So I mean, the, I literally, yeah, I literally went to the bathroom, got a drink. By the time I came back, the match was over. That's crazy. I'm telling you. So again. um, and uh. Looking at one of my other tweets, uh, are we supposed to forget Sami Zayn can actually go in the ring? That was something that I was frustrated about, too, because don't forget, we had Daniel Bryan against Sami Zayn on a freaking WrestleMania card, and uh, instead of the uh, the in-ring clinic that everybody expected, uh, we just kind of got the swarmy heel manager Zayn, which don't get me wrong, I love the character, but it's WrestleMania, come on, if you're, if you're going to... If you're going to book that, at least go all the way with it. Because I don't think they're going to do that again. 
Again, you could you can make the argument that it's time constraints. I think it's just WWE trying to be WWE. They don't want to do something else that uh, that someone else did. In this case, ROH and you know like Dragon Gate and New Japan. They just like you know what? Let's just do something that we do. And then this this is the bullshit that they come up with. Again, it was really fucked up. They could have done a lot of different things with that, but they still managed to just like all right, let's just fucking wing it. You know, like it it's, said, uh, it said that is what we got. Yeah, it to is. Be honest. It is. But I think I think it's yeah. yeah again it kind of just brings up the fact that you know if you look at I think the whole tone of the show between WrestleMania night one and night two it was that they wanted to make sure that all the baby faces but all the you know they got basically favorable reactions they didn't want they didn't want to make this one of those things where it's like let's just have all the heels win and then people get pissed because they're already pissed because they're not there and then they're pissed at the same time because they get I actually forgot this match uh, happened last year versus Alistair yeah I forgot that too yeah and I think one of the, the take home points with this we talked about before. Lashley and Lana, this whole tension going on, you know, someone's gonna, you know, it's kind of like, are they gonna split them up? Is it gonna stay there? We said this, I think they should've just gone ahead and nixed it, just finish it, get it over with. You know, let Lashley be himself. Let him fucking have a match against Brock for once. He's been asking him for it for a long time. That's what the fans wanted, yeah. for how long? For the longest, and since he came back in 20, what, 2017, 2018? What that? Yeah. Before Bobby even left the company. Yeah. Before Brock left the company, he and wanted this, that. And this is one of the things, too. Like, the, like there was a point where Lashley, you know, Batista, let's say, like, all these big guys, Lashley, Batista, Lesnar, were all in the company at the same time. And then, it, basically, everybody went to their separate roads. You saw Lesnar leave, leave WWE. Lashley just ended up, you know, he started staying there. And he just made his own kind of thing. This is a perfect opportunity. Why not at Minya? They couldn't do that. Like, fuck it, let's just go ahead and do it from there. So, it's just kind of like, you know, they have all these opportunities, but they're like, let's just keep dragging it out, dragging it out, dragging it out, dragging it out. I mean, we're seeing right now, they got, what's it called, this whole, new, the whole, um, uh, Dolph Ziggler versus, you know, Otis Smash, you know, basically with Sonya Deville with, um, Ziggler, and then they had Otis with Mandy Rose, this whole thing going on. It wasn't a bad match, to be honest. It wasn't a bad match. I mean, of course, they just had this whole ending, it was just, it was just for that last kind of scene right there, where you just see, okay, it's just, oh, Otis and, you know, Mandy... Okay, finally, guys, I got their whole thing. Macho Ball South. That's, that's yeah. what the fans want. Yeah. I enjoyed the ending, but I think, uh, obviously, if there was ever a moment that should have happened in a stadium full of people, yeah. <laughs> that was probably up there. Yeah. But, yeah, again, it's kind of like, again, that, it's fans. Yeah. The words of fans. That's good shit. It was. It was. And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that, too. But Yeah, um, speaking of which, uh, still going on night one, I'm, I'm still looking at my... Uh, Right. Tweets. Uh, here we go. Uh, Firefly Fun. Uh, not Firefly Funhouse, but Boneyard Match. Uh, and I think this got more traction on Facebook when I said it in a comment. Got like 14 likes. But basically, I said this Boneyard Match is the strangest episode of Lucha Underground yet. Yeah. And I still right. kind of, I still kind of uh, stand by that. This is fun. Um, yeah. But in grand, in in um. Retrospect, it was very good, very well polished, uh, well shot. 
Triple H had a, a hand in the production. Uh, supposedly, it took eight hours to shoot. Uh, Five days to set up, very eight well. hours to shoot. Yeah. It yeah. came out very well. Yeah, it came out very well. I mean, I, I mean, you but saw... it was very, it was very unexpected because, um, I mean, to people who never watched wrestling before, they were watching that on, and it's WrestleMania because you know people are going to tune into WrestleMania because oh, WrestleMania. You know that must have been a strange experience for them. They're like, "What? This is wrestling now? This is weird." Um, guys, know? can we bring up the screen that's on right now? The Orton Edge Chris Benoit moment. That was a that was a cringeworthy. Uh, that was cringeworthy. See, I don't understand that. Like, I I don't understand that though. Like, they they referenced that this is during the week of Dark Side of the Ring premiered, and they just go ahead and they say that oh he. he who hung himself around the noose. I mean, I, I work in a Well, it, it, was, it was the week after. Um, yeah. Because I believe it aired uh, the last the week of, of March. Yeah, but then it's kind of like, you know, I don't think they intentionally made that spot to say, you know, oh, let's just do it yeah, in the reference. I think they did. I don't think so. I mean, at the same time... I don't, th- I don't yeah. think it was intentional, but I think it was... Uh, it just having happens to be the, the right time. It's a little bit questionable given that the majority of wrestling fans have watched that documentary. Yeah, that's right. And so I think it probably doesn't take too uh, too much to the imagination to kind of see that imagery. And, uh, well, besides for the fact that as much as I as I love Edge, I've I've always been a uh, an advocate for Edge, even as far back as like 2006, when everybody you know wasn't really on his side. I, I, I really wanted to like his comeback match, but um, it was way too long. Uh, it was kind of a, a longer version of Gargano and Trumpet did a week before, and it was it was kind of like a tour through the performance center uh, with the, a few like slick spots in between. The fact that they taped it though, I'm a little bit shocked that they let the whole thing run through. You could have gotten out snippets of that, you know, those transitions where they're walking from one place to the other. Um, they could have cut out some of it. Obviously, there were a few uh, kind of well-laid spots in between, and I guess I'll think Edge is uh, wherewithal for uh, hardcore match uh, awareness. But I think in the grand spectrum of things, it was just a, a match that was too long. Uh, Edge actually spoke about this on uh, recently in an interview. Uh, I believe he said that uh, because he's heard a lot of like negative feedback on the match, but he said people were congratulating him. And the fact that we're getting a match in 2020 in of itself should be something to applaud. But he said that Bret Hart had texted him and said that was one of the best uh, matches he, he saw. Like It really looked like a real fight. You know, He commended his performance. He said a text from Bret saying that, weighs more heavily than the, the the opinion of wrestling fans to he doesn't so he does Maybe. have a point there but i mean they could have just for the sake of quality i think it was missing a, a big big ending i think ed should have speared him off the the truck i think they could have done it safely um he could have had a, a, a moment with that big ladder he could have done something like that landed on the truck he could have done something like that I think it just kind of lacked the uh, the big ending that it was supposed to really have for a feud of this magnitude. But I think the intensity was good. I think uh, both men were kind of uh, on point. But I think the match could have gone 20. 
had the same exact uh, effect. And I think it would have been a lot better. Yeah. Did everyone we hear got, what Uncle Dave said? It was what it was. Did everyone hear what Uncle Dave said about this match? What did he say? Uncle Dave Meltzer. Exact words. This match is Chinese torture water. I mean, it's, it's again, it's kind of like... With it, Dave, was, it, it, it was long and plotting. I did kind of fall asleep. I personally think that watching Gronk, uh, any part of WrestleMania, that was torture for me. Like, playing, like, any yeah. segments would just cringe. I just, like... You know, they had to have their celebrity appearance. That was going to happen the whole time. But of all people, they had Gronk, this annoying fucking elf-eared-looking motherfucker, just come up on screen doing some cringy-ass shit. It's like, oh, my God. And then, uh, you know, you see all these things. It's kind of like, you know, I'd rather see, I think, Edge and Orton. I think one of the things that really pissed me off about that was just the fact that it was just so long. And it, it was so, like, you know, there was points where it's kind of like, where is this going to end? Is this going to... You know, this, this, is, this is just like, I understand they're trying to tell a story, but, you know, they, there was intense moments. They were trying to connect certain things and everything. But I think they could have speed up the pace a little bit, made it into something. Instead, they kept on dragging it out to the point where it's like, okay, now it's just labeled as an extended tour of the Performance Center. So I think that's what it's going to be kind of known for. They're trying to emulate, I guess, Gargano and Ciampa, but they ended up becoming, you know, this whole thing where it's like, all right, you know what? Kind of took some, some luster off of that, you know? But, I mean, yeah, we, we, we talk about, of course, uh, you know, Orton and, you know, Edge and all that stuff. Um, you know, a lot of good tag matches, of course. You know, you see, you know, of course, on the screen, um, you know, Austin Theory and uh, Angel Garza versus Street, Street Profits. Really good match. I mean, of course, you got to think of the, the fact, yeah, this is the same week that they taped, you know, with that spot where, you know, you see, um, you know, Montez Ford just going ahead and just, Going diving off and hitting into the, you know, the. I swore right? on my life. I thought he broke his fucking oh, back. Man. Yeah, that was some like Mike Tyson type shit. Like, you know, I broke my back. Spinal. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, there's a lot of different kind of things you could say. This is kind of like, you know, all these kind of matches that they had, it was kind of ill sequence for them because it's like they literally taped the Raw after Mania and then they started taping this. And I think the big thing was that the fact that they didn't want to. Oh, what was it? Nick, what did you say it was? Is the Raw after Mania before WrestleMania? That's after WrestleMania. It's our shit. Precisely. It's fucking wild. And I think the big thing they said was, if you see that whole WrestleMania sign in the back that they had, they said it took so long for them to construct that they didn't want to just go ahead and say, okay, let's just go ahead and you know tape Raw after we do that because they were scared. Oh, it's gonna take too much time, and then they're gonna miss the deadline for the stay at home order. So they're like, you know, let's just tape it all together. Which I understand that, but it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of seemed kind of odd for them. You know, I mean, they can't blame them. They had all this stuff that's going on. At the same time, it's kind of like everything's out of sequence. doesn't fit the picture. Again, only if it was live. Only if there was fans. Everybody could say this would have been a better show. Definitely. But again, just to be it, honest, the Raw After Mania didn't even feel like a Raw After Mania. It didn't. It didn't. It just felt like they just glued some stuff together and said, all right, let's just fucking do it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, they at least tried. I mean, there was a lot of different things that they tried to do. We really want to see things like multi-man matches and stuff like that. They had a women's uh, title match. Interesting match. I think at some point I thought that, you know, they're really going to give the title to Lacey, but they ended up not doing that, which is kind of like, you know, why. I don't think they were going to, or there was going to be a turn. Yeah, or I think a lot of people were teasing for that, like, okay, let's just have a turn with Sasha and Bailey, but that didn't happen either. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff where it's kind of like, you know, they wanted to make the fans happy, but not too happy. I mean, of course, let's talk about this as a whole. Of course, why, about, would, yeah. of course they, why would they make the fans happy? Yeah. 
again, you know, that's WWE. They like to go and just sprinkle a little bit of that on top, you know. So we're not good. We're not good shit. We're not. No. But I mean, let's let's brings us to probably the last. I think one of the highlights that we gotta talk about: the Firefly Funhouse, John Cena versus the Fiend. If you've never done acid before, or just watch this match. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Pretty much on point. Um, I believe I tweeted during it. I did some retweets too. Uh, I'm legitimately pissed that I wasn't high for my first viewing of the Firefly Funhouse match. Man. Uh, who among us hasn't wanted to see John Cena in an NWO shirt on an imaginary episode of WCW Monday Nitro realizing his own hubris and cruelty after pummeling a gluttonous pig puppet to death? Uh, Bray Wyatt and John Cena Firefly Funhouse match. Basically, the uh, Simpsons moment where um, the replacement store clerk at the Cookie Mart is calling Jimbo over and he's like, Hey, come here. Now, Maria, you're you, I'm me. And, and Jimbo's just confused. He's like, I'm me, which pretty on point. Um, I also did some tweeting myself. I thought I saw CM Punk spliced in the footage towards the end. Which, if you feel it closely, um, his kiss before he uh, hops over the barricade is, is in there. Um, which technically does count for a mini appearance. Well, I mean, what, it's well, hard to... Well, one of the things, technically, it's true. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I got a question about is this whole segment. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, Bray and Cena. This whole case, the Saturday Night Main Event segment. Is that from Hogan? And I don't know where that was actually from. But I'm trying to think. It's like, that, that can't be... Um, uh, like who is Bray and who is Cena in this scene? Is is it basically Hogan and Warrior? Hogan and Warrior, I'm thinking, right? Maybe maybe they have Cena playing this, you know, playing the role of of Warrior, like throwing a little bit of Easter eggs. But I think he was just playing, the, uh, you know, with him and the dumbbells and stuff like that. And then you have Bray playing basically um, funniest, Hulk Hogan. The funniest moment is when Cena swung. Yeah. Bray ducked, and he says, "You could look, but you can't touch." The little Nikki Bella thing. Oh, that was fucking oh, perfect. They threw in so many, like, like uh, what you call it, um, a lot of, like, Easter eggs and stuff, or a lot of, like, you know, like, nods to other things. I mean, they were, they were they, I think Cena said something about, oh, you know, if you put my junk in a sock or something, or in a sack, you know, you can market that or something like that. I guess just trying to market, you know, the whole Socko thing. But then there's a whole bunch of other things that they started teasing out. Of course, they had this whole Dr. Thugonomics. Harris. Yeah. Husky Harris, there was Bray when he first came up. Yeah. There was the, he got the whole world in his hands, Bray. Brought a little bit of Carlito, was, didn't they? With the chain? Was that? With the chain, like, again, the hit with the chain over the head, that's kind of like a Carlito. Like, if you remember Cena and Carlito yeah, and did, the U.S. title. They did the prototype. They yeah. did the Thelgonomics. Super Cena. And now... It, I, we do not I mean, condone. Obviously, obviously, the most um, talkative uh, part of the match was the cut to McMahon, uh, Vince McPuppet, basically going, "This is such good shit," which is a callback to uh, Dean Ambrose's uh, "Talk Is Jericho" appearance, where he talked about how he didn't just uh, how he didn't agree with the way his character is being pushed on uh, WWE television. He was just basically listening to Vince drawing out all these absurd ideas. He defended it by saying, this is such good shit, pal. And uh, 
that's how the legend goes. I'm kind of shocked that uh, McMahon would, would kind of let it air on, on television. I, I, for some reason, I, I can't picture him agreeing to want to air that on WrestleMania. But, I mean, I guess it's... Uh, and he needs to money. Yeah, yeah we've, we've seen bigger, uh, more surprising things happen, so... Yeah, I mean... But, but there's a lot yeah, of, like, parallels, I guess. Yeah, there was a lot yeah. of different yeah. targets, yeah. We at the Arts and Wrestling Podcast do not condone doing drugs. But this is definitely what happens when you do acid and you smoke weed at the same time. Well, this is as close as you're going to get, I think. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it could have gone even more bizarre. I think it's probably one of those things where it's like, you know, this is probably, I think one of the big reactions was, what the fuck did we just watch? And, and you know, it's just really one of those things where it's like, this match really threw out a lot of different, like, things between logic and then, you know, being outside of the world. You know, of course, we talk about this, them having all this kind of thing, and then they cut to Titus O'Neil just going, what the fuck did I just watch? I think that was that, actually a cool That was fucking that, epic. That got me done. I was fucking dying when I saw it. His face was priceless. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, there's a perfect moment to bring him in and just to kind of say, okay, you know, it's what it is. Let's watch. Yeah. It's fact. And, and again, it just brings up the fact that this, this whole thing with, with The Fiend, they had something going. We talked about this a month ago. Super Showdown, he drops the title to, to Goldberg, of all people. And the next thing you know, it's kind of like they fucking buried him, they killed him, and all that stuff. It's a great thing to see that, you know, at least he's coming back and he's still doing that. I think at, the, at that point, we're just kind of like, that's it. It's done. Bray Wyatt's done. The team's done. That one line he had to Braun was perfect. Yeah. I brought you into this world. Mm-hmm. I'm taking you out. Yeah. Throwing shots, man. Again, connecting it. Because just to remember, if it was for Bray, Braun would have been in the company. That's true. This is going back what five? Well, years? I, I, 2015, when he was the 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 black sheep of the uh, of the Wyatt family. The it was an black time. sheep. Yeah. It came out of nowhere with the. But obviously, I think uh, Braun's career took a better turn once the brand split happened. He was one. People who actually uh, benefited from the brand split because once Raw became its own separate entity, he kind of stood out in a good way. They kind of uh, reinvented his character a little bit, gave him a little bit more edge. Um, he fit right in with Jericho Owens and uh, all of those characters. Um, obviously, uh, he should have had a run with the with the world title in 2017. That would have been a nice time to do it when he was still relatively new. Um, the fact that's happening in 2020, well, it's like, damn, well, how, how much can I really do with this? And uh, something I come to find with Braun is that um, the less you give him, the more he runs with it. But the more that you give him, it's... Uh, is is kind of good, better in small doses, at least in my opinion. Don't let him do too want, much. I just want to know where so Nick you was. have the mystique, but at the same time, don't don't give him the ball entirely and let him run with it. That's like he's fact. the type that's good in small doses. Yeah, that's a fact. I just want to know where Nicholas is. Where's his taxi? Nicholas, I think it's. Again, we got that's the thing too. The youngest WWE champion, what he's what like almost is he 12? He's probably like 10, right? He's 12. He's probably 12 right now, yeah. Cause, I mean, it's kind of like you know, are they gonna bring it back? It might be a thing where it's like 2015 or was it 2016 where he had uh, what was it Cena versus like 
you know, uh, Cena versus uh, Bray. I don't know if you remember the spot where it's like out of nowhere, you know, like towards the end of the match, it was a cage match. You know, you see Cena, you know, ready to go ahead and finish the match, and the next thing you know, it comes out, and then. Oh, that's when the yeah. kids' choir. The yeah. kids' choir came out, yeah, and he's like, he's like, you got the whole world in your hands, and it just freaked the, them the fuck out, and then he ended up losing. Maybe they could capitalize on that and do something like that. You never know. But again, you never know that would be the way that they have it, they're not going to follow that's along. Like, no, that's not good shit. That's not good shit. No, they're not gonna follow logic. They're like, fuck it. Let's just go the other route because we want to. Let's just piss Dave, like Dave Meltzer off. Let's just piss Jim Cornette off more. Fuck it. You know. But I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, of course, this whole week, if you're a Vince McMahon, you're probably really fucking pissed because of the fact that the XFL, of course, they recently announced just filed for bankruptcy. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Fuck the XFL. Everybody knew it was gonna go on the. I mean, uh, it's just it's, uh, it's, uh, it's disappointing in a sense because I think the second uh, wave of the XFL uh, was better in quality. I think people were ready to kind of embrace it. Yeah. Uh, seemed like it, uh, the ratings were good. Uh, people seemed to be ready to uh, to watch it. It came at a perfect time because the NFL had ended their season. And... Uh, Obviously, uh, no one could have forecasted the pandemic, but that was just one of the victims because it has McMahon's name on it. Obviously, WWE is a more well-known entity, so any ties whatsoever that are going to cost some money, he has to cut them. So XFL was not exempt there. Yeah, that's a fact. I mean, so I think it's just a, it's just a case of, uh, you know, what could have been. Yeah. It's kind of sad, too. I mean, I, I can't help but feel bad for Vince. I mean, and the fact that he put so much money into this. We've heard the reports. He, he actually, what is it? I think he liquidated his own stock just to go ahead and fund this. He put his own money. Yeah, he took like a good chunk yeah. of stock. I think even like he, his, his, his most trusted like friends and investors, they, they invested in this, too, with him. And like this whole thing with him filing bankruptcy, it kind of soured their relationship. And I was like, okay, you know what? You're doing that just so that you can save money, but you're not thinking about the rest of us. And it kind of like, you know, again, it's kind you can't help but feel bad because this is the first time it failed because it was just there was a lot of stuff that went wrong. The second time they were trying to fix these things and change it up. I can tell you, like I had a coworker at 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 the at, at the gym where I work, and he's telling me he's like, yo, this you know this whole XFL thing is really blowing up. And he was telling me the whole time, like, damn, I can't wait for the next season. It was like, good. Yeah. I can admit, it was good. I watched it. It was good shit. Imagine, like, I'm not I'm not a football fan, but imagine this. Like, if, if it's not like, imagine if, like, I'm, I watch basketball, though. But, like, imagine football all year round. That's a pretty big thing. You know, it's like, holy shit. Like, I can watch football for the rest of the year. If you watch, like, so like, like NBA. NBA stops and, you know, ends during a certain time, and then there's an off season. With WWE, all year round. You can watch it. We don't have that problem. But all these other sports that's organizations, why, that's a that's problem. That's why a lot of wrestlers don't like actually wrestling. Yeah. Because how much do they actually get off? Not that much, yeah. They're on the road. I think uh, I think Roman said in an interview, he's on the road 320 days out of the year. He's wow. only with his family 45 days out of the year. Yeah. It's a tough thing. And I mean, it's kind of like, you know, again... People might say, oh, it's fake, it's this, it's that. These guys are actually risking their lives, doing their stuff. We tried, we said it many times, but I think it's also it's kind of like, you know, you look at the, it's still a sports entity. This is, what they're doing in there is still athletic. There's a lot of stuff that they put into it. 
It's not like they're just ballet, you know, it's not ballet. Like, okay, let's just do this. Let's make sure there's a crash pad before you go ahead and land on that table. There's none of that bullshit. It's just like, if someone gets hurt, they get hurt. Someone doesn't just spot. They fall the wrong way. They can be paralyzed. Exactly. Look at uh, Draws. Yeah. He landed the wrong way on a powerbomb from D'Lo. Yeah. Guy's in a wheelchair. Yeah, sad stuff. And, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, again, they'll stop the whole game. They'll stop everything. In WWE, in wrestling period, they don't have the situation. Show must go on. Yeah, show must go on. If you have an injury, work, you better work through the injury. A guy fucking died in the ring, and Vince left. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I mean, I think before Owen we... Hart, yeah. Owen Hart died in the ring, and they left the show go. Yeah. I mean, well, I think he died on his way to the hospital, but um, a good part of it was probably on the phone. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, 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 it's hard because uh, for the situation, they, um, they didn't really know what to do. They would have been criticized if they, went, uh, if they canceled the show. They would have been criticized if they went on with the show. So I guess in that situation, you just don't know really what to do. Uh, it would have been something new for everybody, but it's uh, you know the show must go on. It's 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 a pretty vague term, but it I don't know. It's situations like a worldwide pandemic. I don't know. Yeah. It's it, it, things go good until they go bad. Yeah, that's true. I mean, before we go, before we wrap this up, you guys talk about Owen Hart and all that stuff. What do you guys think about the dark side of the ring series that are going on? I mean, we talked about I think in the past about the whole Ben Moss series. This recent one they just had was talking about, I think, the Brawl for All. And I think the next one is about Superfly. I love it. Yeah. It's great. Vice the Man. New Jack? Yeah. I recommend. New Jack, yeah. That one is... I mean, I, I I only saw the Benoit one, part one and part two, but it's obviously a very uh, insightful, well-produced documentary with a lot of different voices. So it's exactly what you want in a wrestling documentary that WWE isn't going to make. Um, so I think kudos to them on that one. It's, uh, it's pretty much everything you could hope for. Yeah. <laughs> Props to Jericho. He does everything. To Jericho, too. I mean, well, he's a producer, isn't he? For one of those things? Or he's the producer and the narrator of of the whole season, too. I'm telling you, man. Jericho, he's the That's inventor impressive. of everything. I'm looking forward to episode, I think it's 16. Yeah. The Owen Hart one. Yeah, they're having one with Owen Hart. They're going to have one with, That's uh... That's the season finale. Yeah, they have one with, uh, I think, with Owen Hart. They're going to have one with Superfly. I think this one's coming up soon with Superfly's Jimmy Snuka, where they're going to go ahead and talk about that whole thing and everything. They talked about, I think, like, previous uh, things also, like... Uh, Dino Bravo has one. Yeah. They've talked about, I think, things like the, the Brody... Uh, with the Brody. Yeah, uh, big, big Brody. What would you call it? He got stabbed or something like that. That was, that. Yeah. that was season one. Yeah. Like there's a lot of different shows. They have one with uh, I think Mula. They were like all, in the season one. They show they show a lot of different things that happen and you know a lot of different um kind of things in the season two is world. better though. Yeah, if season Netflix, two is so much better. Yeah, I'm telling you, Tiger King. Basically, they do the same kind of thing with the wrestling. I'm telling you, there's so much stuff that could come out with with that. You know, so it's one of the things too. It's not just Tiger King. It's also in the professional wrestling world. So definitely, you gotta take stay tuned for that too. But as we said before, Jericho really is the goat. He's, he's doing all this shit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely kudos to him. But I mean, yeah. You, like, know, yeah. you know you're the GOAT when you are coming out to your own theme song that you sing. Yeah. But the fans are singing your theme song on a boat that you have your own cruise on. Yeah. 
Balls on this guy, man. Jericho. It's a fact. But yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we talk about pretty much everything. Talking about Mania, talking about all the stuff that's going on. Uh, basically for our April Running the Rope series going on right now, where we talk about all the stuff that happened in April or at the moment. Uh, again, coronavirus, a lot of stuff still coming up. A lot of things are going to change. We'll have to see what happens moving forward. But I mean, nonetheless, uh, you know, we have all of our different shows going on. We, we have all of our other podcasts. We have other podcasts coming up soon also. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for that. But before we go, I got to hand it over to NJL. I'm telling you, man. NJL. NJL. Tell us about it, man. Tell us about both of them. Both of them, man. Both of them. Well, uh, things are kicking. <laughs> uh, done about a whole slew of interviews uh, with all this free time that I have. So uh, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, check out the music people. Uh, just to give you a little bit of insight. Uh, I'm, uh, God damn it, I wasn't ready. <laughs> but... Uh, For any any throwbacks, if you're into that kind of thing, for PWO, you could check that out. Um, I've done reviews for Backlash 2007, uh, Uncensored 1995. So if that is anything that you fancy, feel free to check it out. And uh, I will be having throwback reviews coming very soon, so... Don't worry about that, and that'll be coming soon. As for the Music Beagle, uh, for anybody who has the app Station Head, I happen to have my own station. You can find me at I have and Rich has it too. And you can feel free to listen to past episodes of Music Beagle Radio. But uh, basically, I've done interviews and uh, with the likes of uh, Elvis Monroe, uh, uh, Cloaker... Uh, some of the ones that I've done lately, um, just doing a little bit of scrolling, uh, Dendrons, The Ghost Club, The Phoenix Within, just a whole lot of cues and a whole lot of aim, but the music never stops, and why should you stop reading? Well put, well put. So, about the, uh, all our 37 million podcast platforms we're on. Yeah, I mean, of course, we're on a lot of different platforms. We're also we're also on the iHeartRadio uh, podcast network. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You know, pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts, we're there. We've been there before. Uh, again, we say this all the time. We're about wrestling. We spell wrestling, but also we're global. So we're everywhere. You know, we're also in France. We're you know pretty much all the different countries. Again, all this through this pandemic, we're all together with you know, in this and all that stuff. So definitely, you know, shout out to you guys. Uh, hope you guys are safe. Hope you, hope you guys are healthy, you know, everything, and stay, you know, well at this time and everything. But beyond that, you know, you can always count on us talking about that. You got Rich doing the whole, you know, Instagram and everything. Me and him co-run the Instagram and Facebook pages. Um, but then also on top of the fact, you can also see all of our other uh, social media outlets as well. But nonetheless, this is the RSN Wrestling Podcast. This is our running rope series. More stuff's coming up soon. We'll see you guys soon. This is Salad Mastermind signing out. And I got the, the big guy, Rich. See you later, guys. And we got the, the Nick Lopez and NJL. That's his new name now. So, see Adios, you guys out. people. Yep. We'll see you guys out. See you guys.